What's up, man? Let me take you for a little spin, man. Show you what it feel like. I gotta go make these drop-offs. Man, you think you're the only one out here working, B? Gotta make drop-offs too, B. Come on, man, get in, man. I ain't taking no for an answer, man. Thank you for having me on. I am Paul Lamar Hunter, and I am delighted to um, be on your podcast show to share a positive story um, at this moment because we are in a pandemic. And I believe that a lot of people need um, a positive, inspirational story. Okay, that's definitely dope, you know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things that I like to do on the 290 Mo podcast is, well, one of the things is bring everybody from all corners of the, of the world with all type of stories to tell, but of course, somebody who's, uh, who's spreading positivity, you know what I'm saying, with, with their words. So with that being said, let's just start from the beginning and tell tell the uh, viewers and listeners why your story is, is special. Well, my story is, your, is very unique mm-hmm. because my mother is the first woman in history to birth 21 natural children by my dad, 17 of us living today, 63 grandchildren and 87 great grandchildren. You remember the song R. Kelly used to sing? There's nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind, bump Mm -hmm. and grind, bump, 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 bump and grind. Yeah, they they definitely, they they definitely (laughs) took them words to truth. So with that being said, you said she was the first woman to naturally have 21 kids how was that confirmed and has there been anyone after to have 21 natural birth no it has it it never has been another woman to birth 21 children um the the duggars they came close um if you remember the show 19 and county um she birthed um 19 um children but my mother is the first woman to birth 21 natural children and one thing that i want to say is that this story right here, I believe that this story will mm-hmm. invoke a large range of emotions that will make people cry, that will make people, you know, laugh. And most importantly, this story changed people's lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before before we get into that, you know what I'm saying? How is, so is... Your, with your mother being the only one to ever have 21 natural birth kids, was that something like that? Did Guinness come knocking on the door? Did the hospital come? Did you get a letter from like the government? Like you're the only one, you know what I'm saying? So how, how was that something that was like confirmed or even brought to you guys' attention? Cause I mean, back in the day, it was, it was, it was normal for people to have a lot of kids, but 21, you know what I'm saying? So was that well, how? It- it was confirmed through, um, Ebony Magazine. So if you ever go mm-hmm. to Ebony Magazine, and you um, look at uh, uh, we were we were profiled in there um, twice. So you know, in 2005 or 2006, we were featured in Ebony uh, magazine, and on the front cover was Dream Girls. And mm-hmm. so um, they had did their research diligently, did their research, and discovered that my mother at that particular time was the only woman to birth um, 21 natural children. So it's it's a, it's it's amazing. To okay. see um, a strong woman to give birth to 21 natural um, children. 
Okay, okay. It, it, that definitely has to be some, something spectacle. So with that being said, we're going to move along on to how was it being one of 21 children? You know what I'm saying? Because I'm pretty sure you always hear about there being um uh, attention issues when the the new baby get a little baby and there's only two kids. So it's 21 of you guys. How was that growing up? Did you feel like you were given the correct amount of time and attention or was everybody, you know what I'm saying, given equally or just talk to me about how it was growing up with all those siblings? Well, I have to be honest with you. We did not have ample time with with either parents because uh, my father was working two jobs and sometimes my mother will um, work a part-time job until she started um, her homeless shelter. But it was my older siblings that really looked out for their younger ones. My older siblings did homework with us. My older siblings um, had to do our hair, had to um, make sure that we were fed, had to make sure that uh, we took baths every night, um, had to make sure that we were in bed at a certain time. So I give a lot of credit to my mom and dad for bringing me in the world, but I also mm-hmm. give credit to my other siblings because sometimes they had to forego a lot of activities. And you know, when you're teenagers and when you're a teenager, guess what you want to do? You want to hang out with your friends, your peers, but that particular time they had to stay at home and forego going to prom, forego hanging out and going to uh, festivities or cookouts as teenagers. So, but I, I just want to give a lot of credit to my mom, to my dad, and also um, to my siblings for doing a fantastic job. Okay, okay. So that's definitely understandable. And 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 forgive me for being a little bit ahead of myself, but just talking a little bit more of your childhood and growing up, where exactly did you grow up? And did that locale have any effect also on the way you guys were raised? You know what I'm saying? Just like, was it a, was you raised on a farm? Was you, you said your mother had ended up opening up the um, shelter. So how was the, the area you lived in? Did that play a role in your, in your growing up in any way? Yeah. Racine, Wisconsin. It's about um, 38 miles from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And so um, it played a significant role. You got to remember I was born in 1970. So mm-hmm. back then um, the community was very close. <laughs> So I knew my neighbor and um, the neighbor knew, knew, knew the Hunter family. So we were very close. So um, there were times where we did not have our, any food, but neighbors, people in the community would just drop off food at the Hunter family. So mm-hmm. it really did cultivate it, um, my thinking ability because I am a giver. I am a helper. And so anytime when a person is, is, is in need I'm going to um, I'm going to help them because there was a time when we didn't have anything and you have strangers coming, knocking on the door, leaving toys, leaving food, leaving money for the Hunter family. So it really mm-hmm. did cultivate my um, positive mindset about life. And that is that there are good people out in the world. Mm-hmm. OK, OK. And just. Speaking quickly on the climate of where we are now with the uh, state of things going on, how was growing up in Racine, Wisconsin in 1970 with um, the police? And was it a predominantly black neighborhood you grew up in? Was it mixed? Did you ever have to deal with any type of uh, racial profiling, racism growing up in Racine, Wisconsin? 
Well, I tell you what, when, when I was, I was born in 1970. So, um, 1970 to 1980 and then from 80 on to, um, 1990, I did not start to experience, um, um, racism until I started driving. Was that something you guys talked about at home? That was something my mom always (laughs) told us about when we ever get, got um, pulled over by police officers. Mm-hmm. Always comply. Make sure you had your um, hands on the steering wheel. Always say yes, sir. No, ma'am. So every every parent always give that talk to their children, just like I have four children. And I gave that talk to my children and they are adults. And I continue to give that talk to them because I want I wanted to seek in into their subconscious uh, mind. I want my children to come home safe to me. And, mm-hmm. and it's 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 very crucial because um, back then when I was born, I did not <clears throat> witness it, but I All think right. it was going on, but it was undercover. And so you have to look at we didn't have cell phones at that particular time. Exactly. Now everybody has 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 this new technology, which is cell phone and everybody is is being captured doing something positive or doing something negative. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, that's definitely correct. So before we move up, before we move ahead into a little bit, I want to get into your mother um, and your father. Now, you mentioned that your father worked two jobs and that your mother eventually ended up opening a shelter. Um, What type of work did your father do? And with your father working and your mother eventually opening and running a shelter, did you feel like was there a room for, was it room? Did you feel like you were getting enough love and attention? Like, was there enough physical room in the house and enough physical room for love and attention for you? Well, I, I, I have to say this, that my father had worked two jobs at a, at a manufacturing. He worked for Case and what Case did was produce tractors. He also worked for um, Bale City and, and he worked 16 hours a day. So we did not see our father um, until basically the weekend. So my mother did work a part-time job, but mm-hmm. it was like four hours a day until she started the, the homeless shelter. And she spent a lot of time over there. But I can say this, that um, it was love in the house when my father was alive because my father was very caring. He was loving he always looked out for us and, and my and and my mother, some of the things that she she had experienced into her childhood and brought it into adulthood. And I think it really affected her ability to show compassion, um, to 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 love. But um, you know, you I have to say this, my mom um is not perfect, but she was the perfect person that God created to birth 21 natural children. There's a lot of things that um, I don't have as a, as, as a parent, you know, and I can't fault my parents for a lack of parenting skills, because if you ask my children, they might say, Hey, you know what? He was a great dad and, and, and teaching us how to read, how to write and, and coaching us for basketball and football, you know, mm-hmm. he showed love, he showed empathy. So, you know, I'm not perfect myself and and my mother is not perfect and my father is not perfect. But I I tell you what, they did an amazing job of cultivating our, our 
attitude. And that is that no matter what is going on in life, never give up. Dope, dope. So let me ask you this. Um, I'm not sure if this is a question that you can answer directly, but is this something that you ever asked or talked to your parents about? Like, why 21 kids? Did they ever, was it a <laughs> something like they loved having kids? They want to have as many they can have or, or it was the, the birth control. What is it? What it is now? Or was that something that you guys ever talked about? Like, Hey, mom, why you ain't stop after 10 or, or something like that? Well, yes, we did ask, ask, ask my mom that several of my siblings mm-hmm. asked my mom that. And my mom had always stated to us, whatever God gives her, you know, to birth, that's what she's going to, um, that's what she's going to deliver. And she said, when God tells her to stop, when he tells the, the, um, her insides to stop working, it will mm-hmm. stop working. And she was, she was stopped having, um, children. But she said, as long as God is giving her the ability to have children, she's going to have children. Okay. And do you know how old she was when she first had her first child and how old she was when she had her last child? I just know this, that when she had her, when she got pregnant, she was 16 and a half when she had her first, um, her first child. Mm-hmm. So, and also with her last child, she was, uh, 44 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So now moving along, we moving along to, to your mother opening the shelter. So at this point, what age are you in, and, and, what role do you play in the opening and the maintenance or just the daily operation of the shelter art? Is it a family business or is this just this, or is this just mom's project? How, how do you fall into, into that or the family and, and, and as a whole? That's a very good, very good question. I play a significant role. So mm-hmm. when you read my book, I talk about my mom standing outside the shelter mm-hmm. and while she was standing outside the grand opening of the shelter, I was in the womb of my mother at that mm. particular time. Isn't that interesting? Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, one so, and the same. <laughs> so as years proceeded um, and I became a, um, um, a teenager, um, it was very important for us to go to school. After we get out of school, we had to rush over to my mom's homeless shelter because mm-hmm. she had um, after-school activities for the people in the community. So there were volunteers there uh, making sure that kids in the community come in and get assistance with clothes, with homework, um, with food. And, and so my mom did a tremendous job giving to the community and making sure that once our school activities has ended, that we were able to come over there and assist her, even with some of the paperwork and and even with um, um, talking to the media and making sure that the media highlight this amazing story of Mm -hmm. how she birthed 21 natural children and started a homeless shelter. This homeless shelter, Love and Charity Homeless Shelter, was the first homeless shelter um, in the city of Racine, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So talking more about the shelter, 
How big was this shelter? And you mentioned it was in Racine, Wisconsin, also where you live. Was it a, a need for a homeless shelter at the time? Like, was it a big homeless population? And you also mentioned about you guys, well, 21 kids is obviously money isn't, if you're not rich, money's obviously going to be tight. How did your mother get the funding to even open this shelter in the first place to, um, to even provide some type of services? Well, um, my mother shelter was a nonprofit, um, organization. So, um, in that nonprofit organization, she received a lot of donations from a lot of, um, organization businesses, mm-hmm. um, people, um, in the, co- in the community. So inside that, inside that shelter, like I stated before, um, she will feed people. Um, men and, and, and women of all life came into that, um, shelter. Can you um, recall started, how many, how many, how many families at a, at a time roughly you have up in there? Or oh, there was people? sometime, there was sometime, there was sometime 15 to 30 people. Now huh? you, you got, Pretty you got to understand that she, yeah, she had a big, huge building that was donated to her. It was, it was two, a two story building that was donated to her to assist the homeless population. So at that particular time when the shelter started, it it was a small percentage of people that was homeless in the city of Racine, Wisconsin. But as years went on, and you gotta you got to understand this, brother, that a lot of drugs and alcohol, you know, caused um people to become homeless. And also mental issues wasn't addressed like it is today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it was it was a bunch of people that came into uh, my mom homeless shelter and my mom was able to um, assist them um, as well. OK, so with you basically being born at the same time as the inception of, of the shelter. So did you ever become, you know, close with any of the, uh, you know, the relatives or anything like that? Was it more of a, was it a job to you or did you ever come to it as like a, a family neighborly aspect of it? I think love and charity was built on family. I really believe that because any, any time the clients or residents came in, my mother wanted them to fit in and wanted them to feel like this is a family um, shelter. So to me, it was a family organization, um, a family atmosphere, a family environment that wanted people to feel a part of, feel part, feel like they are a part of a team. Mm-hmm. So how, tell, okay, so let's talk about the the ending. So is the where is the shelter now? Is it still up and running? Is it a family business? If so, um, how is it doing? And if not, why not? It's twenty one of you guys. Why isn't? Why wouldn't that be something that's still? You know what I'm saying? Like part of the family legacy. Well, it, it, it's still a part of the family legacy. So you got to understand this: that um, one of the residents' um, name is Dennis Woods, and he wrote a book title love and charity the life story of louise hunter Mm -hmm. now that book has been um adapted into a screenplay also i came out with my book no love no charity the success of the 19th child which has been adapted um into a screenplay so my older siblings and the young ones 
all of us are adults now. Um, we have our own, we, we have our own, own desires and passion in life. So mm-hmm. we do not want to, um, get into, um, continuing the homeless shelter business. My mom shut it down in 2016 because she could no longer, um, do it anymore. So we did not want to continue it because we have our own family. We have our own kids and right. we have grandchildren now. So we had a different stage. And that's a 24 uh, hour life. job. basically. And yes, it is a 24 hours job. And so, you know, we have our own lives now. Um, like my <clears> brother, <throat> my brother is a, is a chef. My other brother, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a cook. My, my older sister, she runs a modeling agency. So everybody has their own careers and they have their own passion of what they want to pursue in life. Okay. So let's talk about the adult stage. Now, a matter of fact, we're going, we're going to ask a couple questions about the book. Okay. So if I had to ask you to describe your book to me in 30 seconds, what, what would you describe? It's, 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 it's a powerful, impactful, straightforward book dealing with my childhood all the way up to graduation. And when I say that is that because I, I made history in the family and in the Hunter family. So I had to do a lot of research on the Hunter family lineage to discover that no one on my mom's side or my father's side ever graduated from college. So I mm-hmm. became the first to graduate from college in 2012 uh, from Upper Iowa University. And I have a bachelor's of science in business administration. So I am very delighted to lay the foundation in the Hunter family. Okay. Okay. Now that, that was beautiful, but along also along with the release of your book, um, for me doing my research, it did come along with a little bit of controversy. If you could speak on the relationship between you and your sisters then and now. Well, uh, I think that back then they did not want to read the book. That's when the controversy came in. And see, when you have um, external people making statements, well, he said this in the book and he said that he made right. that statement in the book, but you never read the information and you never came to me and, and you gave him the me. book and, and you yep, let him yep. know you was writing a book. And-, yep. and and yes, and I, I gave them every opportunity to read it. But then as years went on and they started hearing other perspective from people saying, man, that's a good book. Mm-hmm. That's a book right there that mm-hmm. it grabs your attention and you don't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. So then that's when they begin to read the book and educate them and educate themselves. And they discovered that, man, this book is cathartic for me. And it bring healing into their, in, into their lives. That's what mm-hmm. it did, which so, was a good thing. So, so what is that relationship now? Is it, is it oh, better? Well, the, is relationship, it... the relationship is, is, is great today. It's mm-hmm. great today because Have they read the book. A, yes. It gave okay, them okay. an opportunity to read it. And you can't listen to hearsayers because mm-hmm. they will say negative stuff. And and, and, and then it, it's kind of put like a, a blindfold over your eyes. But as years went on, they began to listen to what other people began to say, man, hey, you got to read that book. That book is 
unbelievable. Once they read it, they got a good understanding. They embrace it and, and it brought healing into their life. And that's what I, that's, that's basically what I wrote the book for is to bring healing into people's lives because we, we come into this world of sin and and our parents are not perfect. You know, there's no book out there that we can read and say, this is the best book to read right here that will make you a better parent. No, mm-hmm. it's not. No, it's not. Okay. Okay. So with that being said, I also you can saw you guys appear on TV with uh, Vivica Fox. So was that was how did that opportunity present itself? And was it always as the basis as you wrote the book and your sisters didn't agree with it or you came on for your book and they brought your sisters on. And how was that experience? Well, um, this is how it happened. I was at the gym working out at Planet Fitness and mm-hmm. I saw this commercial of this new talk show. So mm-hmm. I said, oh, wow. Oh, Vivica A. Fox is coming out with a talk show, uh, Face the Truth. And Dr. Phil is the executive producer. So right. I knew Dr. Phil because mm-hmm. I had spoken with him. So I decided to um, continue to lift weights. Um, I left the gym, went home, and made the phone call. And once I made the phone call, she put me in contact with the um, producer. And the, um, and the producer was like, oh, okay, is this is true? Because, you know, she the, the, the first lady was like, is this true? Mm-hmm. A woman birthed 21 children. So I said, well, are you sitting at your computer? She said, yes. So she went to her computer and I said, well, put it in my website. And she went to my website. She saw the videos and she was just, you know, taken aback. So she said, well, Mr. Hunter, can you please hold on for a minute? So she went to go tell another executive mm-hmm. producer. And so he couldn't believe it. So he gets on the phone and they basically, I know, next minute I know we on the phone for about 45 minutes to an hour and a half talking. Because they couldn't believe it. So what right. I had to do was I had to get all the information. Everybody that had profiled my story, I mm-hmm. had to email it to them. Right. And so it it, it had happened. And then I, I then I sent them a copy of the of the book. They was excited. They read the book and they said, "Hey, can you um, help us get some of your siblings on the show?" So I mm-hmm. gave them some phone numbers, but they didn't want to bring everybody on right. <laughs> because they right. said it was too many. Exactly. <laughs> And then we're going to get to that too. So basically so, what they did, they selected um, uh, uh, my three siblings, my three sisters to um, mm-hmm. to come on. So it was more like you got to, if you, if you see Vivica A. Fox show, it's about drama. Mm-hmm. So it was like a cat fight, you know? Right. And, and, and that's and why I want to ask you what the relationship was like now. it's it's great it really is great it was a cat fight it was a scratching let's scratch his face Mm. (laughs) right it's good for tv (laughs) it's good for tv so (laughs) they picked i think they picked those three women because those three women um didn't read the book so (laughs) right it makes sense they know what they be doing man that's why they got the job right (laughs) so with that being said, man, before we wrap it up, man, if I could ask you, man, if it's something that you don't mind going into, you, we, the, we talked about it the whole show. You have a 21 siblings. Where are all your 21 siblings now? Are they all college graduates? Are they all alive and well? What, what is that like now? Cause that family reunion got to be a mother. You know what I'm saying? So, so if you could tell, talk to us about that. Well, um, is there are 17 siblings, um, living today? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I got some siblings on the and West that's Coast. Still a, that's still, that's still, you know what I'm saying? An amazing number. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real. So, so, um, I got some, uh, sisters in, um, Los Angeles, um, Texas, Minnesota, um, Memphis, Tennessee, um, Atlanta. So they, um, also Orlando. So mm-hmm. I can't forget about my sister Bonnie down in Orlando, Florida. So mm-hmm. we are basically spread it out, you know, and like I said earlier, they, they are at a different stage in their lives today because their, their children are adults now mm-hmm. and they have grandchildren now. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully this year we'll get together on the 4th of July because that's when we have our, um, annual family reunion where everybody comes together. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm just hoping that we will get together for that and just, uh, just, just have some fun because yeah. um, we, know, we might have um, to talk live from the family reunion. You get that together, man. That, that'd be, you might have some media out there, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every, every time when I, when I reach out to the media, um, they will, they will come out, you know, they will mm-hmm. really come out and, and really promote the Hunter family um, story. So, you know, like I said, you know, last year we were, we, we've been in a pandemic, so we couldn't do it. Hopefully this year we are able to um, mm-hmm. see each other again and, and, and have fun and embrace each other. All right, man. So before I get you up out of here, man, tell me what is your mission and what is your vision? What is your mission as in what do you got working on? What do you got coming up? And what is your vision as in at the end of the day, when you sit back in your big chair and you look back and you say, I'm finished, what is that going to look like? I think that um, the biggest projects that I'm working on right now is I'm I'm speaking with producers of the Nick Cannon show, the Tamron Hall show, Mm -hmm. um, Kelly Clarkson show. Also, um, um, I'm getting ready to sign a um, movie deal. So you, you, I can say that, you know, mm-hmm. so um, the vision is that when, when things are done and over with, I want to say to the people that I came from the inner city. I went against the odds. No one gave me a chance, but I never gave up on my ability. I never gave up on good people that can develop a man like me. I never gave up on my vision, my purpose. I always put my purpose and my vision above my circumstances. And you should not ever put your, you know, your, um, your um, circumstances over your vision and purpose. All right, man. That's definitely dope information. I appreciate you for coming on the show. Let the people know where they can find your book and where they can find you on social media. Well, hey, I'm on social media under um, Paul Lamar Hunter. Um, Instagram, Facebook, um, um, Twitter, and also um, TikTok. My book is available at Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com website. And you can get my mother book as well. Love and Charity, the life story of Louise Hunter and the Love and Charity Homeless Shelter. The title of my book is No Love, No Charity, The Success of the 19th Child. All right, man. Like I said, I appreciate you for coming on. I look forward to having you back, man. 
Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, man. Appreciate it. Have a rest of a good day. You too. All right.